If you've attended Forest Park for a while and you've paid attention to the messages I've brought, then you know I've done my share of complaining about the local church. As I've said on many occasions, I grew up in church and I'm still recovering. But the older I get, the more I travel and the more I learn, the more convinced I become that healthy, vibrant local churches filled with people following Jesus are the hope of the world. And we better get busy building those kinds of churches, strengthening those kinds of churches and supporting those kinds of churches because our world is a mess and nobody else is coming to rescue us. It's up to us. And today, if I do a decent job of teaching and you do a decent job of learning, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna be informed and inspired. You're gonna know something and you're gonna feel something. Here's what you're gonna know. The mission Jesus gave the church you and you and you, all the people watching, can only be accomplished through the infusion of the Holy Spirit. And here's what you're gonna feel. I need to become a spirit-infused follower of Jesus. So grab a Bible, a phone, a notepad, whatever you must, and let's jump into part two of Nobody Else Is Coming. Now, before we do, what is the mission of Forest Park Church? Our mission is quite simple, help others follow Jesus one step at a time. That's what we're about. That's why we do everything we do at Force Park. How do we save the world? Will politicians do it? If we find a vaccine for COVID-19, will that save the world? Well, those things may change the world. They may make the world a little bit better. But the older I get, the more I travel and the more I read, the more convinced I am that thriving, healthy, growing local churches filled with people who follow Jesus will ultimately save the world. Our world is a mess and there's no one else coming to rescue us. It's up to us. All right, last week we kicked off this series by asking and answering two questions. What is the church and who is the church for? Here are the answers. The church is a gathering of people united by a common identity and purpose. Our identity is Jesus and our purpose is to teach other people what it means to follow him. And the church is for people, real people, messy people, any people who wanna learn what it means to follow Jesus. And we stated over and over again, vibrant, healthy, growing churches filled with people following Jesus are the hope of the world. Now, here's the question, what now? Because I imagine a few of you are thinking, all right, but what about me, Scott? I mean, where do my family and I fit into all of this? Was part one simply a history lesson and an inspiring speech about the value of the local church? I'm a local school teacher. I don't imagine I make a lot of difference in the full scheme of everything church-related. I'm just trying to work hard, pay my bills, love my family, and live long enough to see my grandbabies. <laughs> well, I get it. And this is huge. Last week, I did the best I could with the time we had to paint a picture of the church from a view of 30,000 feet. 
how the church started, why the church started, what the church is, who the church is for. But beginning today, I will descend from the clouds and fly low enough we can clearly see our day-to-day -day existence, and I'm gonna do the best I can to show you how critical you are with fulfilling the mission of the church. Whether you're a school teacher, mechanic, salesman, banker, farmer, factory worker, stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter. And it begins with you understanding this. You make up the church. You, as an individual. And as you connect with other individuals, you form the body of Christ, the church. When Jesus stood at Caesarea Philippi and predicted he would build the church and it would be so strong, so powerful, so resistant, not even hell itself would be able to overcome it, he had you in mind. He knew you would be part of bringing to pass his prediction. When Jesus envisioned his church, neither buildings, nor hymnals, nor priests, nor golden crosses, nor any of the traditional religious garb defined what he meant by the church. No. When he said he would build his church, you are what he meant. Without you and without me, the mission he gave cannot be completed. So, of course, the question is, what is the mission Jesus gave us? Well, it's found in Matthew 28, beginning at verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. That's it. That's the heart of the mission. This is why Forest Park has the mission statement, help people follow Jesus one step at a time. Everything we do is about Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Help people. That means come alongside people, real people, messy people, and get involved, assist, challenge, encourage people to follow Jesus in all areas of life, and we do it one step at a time. Slow, patient process. Sunday mornings are designed for it. Groups are designed for it. Summer outreach trips are designed for it. Food, clothing giveaways are designed for it. Conferences are designed for it. Everything we do is designed to help people follow Jesus one step at a time. And as we learned last week, if not us, then who? The government won't. Congress won't. Amazon won't. Google won't. Netflix won't. If not us, then who will take up the mission to teach people what it means to follow Jesus? If the church doesn't, no one else will. Because the local church, filled with people following Jesus, that is the hope of the world. So the mission is clear. Build local churches filled with people who follow Jesus and help people follow him too. But although the mission is clear, the plan is not complete. What do you mean, Scott? Jesus gave his followers instructions before they went out to accomplish said plan. He told them not to leave Jerusalem. Don't go out and make disciples of all the nations just yet. You need to receive the Holy Spirit first. Here's a passage from Acts chapter 1. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So there's the order. Receive the Holy Spirit's power, then go and make disciples of all the nations. Now this needs a little explaining. I grew up Pentecostal, attended a red-hot traditional Pentecostal college, then attended a Baptist seminary. 
And today, I read Catholic, Anglican, and Eastern Orthodox theology. So I'm aware of the discussions and debates about the Holy Spirit and whether or not the baptism of the Holy Spirit has a distinct experience for us today. I'm not going to debate it. Here's the only reason I bring it up. Throughout the book of Acts, after the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, with the phenomenon of speaking in other languages, after all of that, here is how the early followers of Christ were described throughout the book of Acts. Acts 4.8, it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31, again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 6.3, they were endowed with the Spirit. Acts 6.5, another passage, endowed by the Spirit. Acts 7.55, they were enabled by the Holy Spirit. Acts 9.17, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 11.24, they were endowed with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13.9, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 13.52, there was an abundant presence of the Holy Spirit with them. Now here's why I bring all that to you. There was something so unique, so distinct, so powerful, so beautiful, so otherly about the early followers of Jesus. Luke, the author of Acts, refers to these men and women again and again and again as being full of or filled with or endowed with or enabled by the Holy Spirit. So last week, as we walked through how the church exploded onto the scene, growing from 12 to 120 to 3,000 to multitudes of thousands, from one room to multiple rooms, from a handful of timid people to millions of fearless men and women, at the center of it all, in the middle of it all, the catalyst of it all, was the Holy Spirit filling, empowering, and enabling this person and that person and this person, the church. It is the reason why Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why would he say that? Because there are two needs every follower of Jesus has. And without meeting these two needs, a follower of Jesus will be ill-equipped to complete the mission. And if you are ill-equipped to complete the mission, then we are ill-equipped to complete the mission. Because we, the church, is made up of you, and you, and you. So here are the two needs. First, you need power. You need power to thrive personally, to walk away from destructive behaviors and choices and relationships and patterns, walk away from that which brings death and to walk toward constructive behaviors and choices and relationships and patterns, to walk toward that which brings life. It's both and at the same time. If you are unable to walk away from that which kills you and those you love, and you're unable to walk toward that which gives life to you and those you love, you will neither fulfill the corporate nor the individual mission God has for you and your family or you and your church. Some of us watching right now, we can't even begin to think about accomplishing much for God's kingdom because our personal lives are eaten up with that which is killing us. Well, not only power to thrive personally, but also to thrive publicly. God wants to empower you to influence people for the good. God wants to empower you so that you can share your faith and your story with boldness, but you will not be able to do either without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Well, not only do you need power, but you also need comfort. You need comfort when you're discouraged, when you're angry, when you're confused, when you're lonely. You see, in front of us as a church, 
is the mission. Come alongside people and assist them, help them, teach them to follow Jesus one step at a time. And that mission never wanes, never fades, never diminishes. It's always present. It's always in front of us. But because life discourages us, angers us, confuses us, makes us feel lonely, and because many of us are not in a position to draw from the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we're ineffective at fulfilling the mission. Let me be honest with you. It is difficult to make disciples of all the nations when you're addicted. It is challenging to come alongside people and help them follow Jesus when your marriage is in shambles. When you're so depressed you don't want to get out of bed. When you can't get past what he did to you last year and you drag it with you everywhere you go. When you're so steeped in debt you can't give generously. This is not a guilt trip. This is a wake-up trip. You and I both need the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit so we can thrive and not merely survive. We, the church, have a mission, and it takes the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. Well, how does the Holy Spirit fill, empower, and enable us? Well, this is not an exhaustive teaching on the Holy Spirit and how he functions within the life of a follower of Jesus. This is a bird's eye view, a big picture. So let me give you three words, okay? Faith, prayer, mind. First of all, faith. Faith plays a huge role in receiving and accessing the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Virtually everything within Christianity involves a level of faith. Forgiveness, healing, maturity, gifts, love, everything is delivered to us, and we experience it via faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Second word, prayer. Prayer is essential. Prayer is not begging God or twisting God's arm and convincing Him to give you the Holy Spirit but about aligning your heart, mind, and will with God's heart, mind, and will. Prayer is about asking and receiving via faith the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit when you need Him. God says if you ask in faith, you'll receive. Third word, mind. We will never live a Spirit-filled, empowered, enabled life if our mind is cluttered, chaotic, junked up. If it's not refreshed and renewed with truth, we will be unable to experience the power and comfort we need. This is why certain choices are so destructive. It's not that a particular behavior is sinful, but it's unwise. The choice or that choice clutters up our mind, jumbles up the processes of thinking clearly. And when the mind is filled with junk, it cannot reason enough to accomplish the mission in front of it. So it all comes down to this. Let me give you a new word. This is something I want to become part of your vocabulary if it isn't already. The word is infuse. The word infuse means to be saturated with something that alters it for the better. I'm praying Forest Park Church becomes infused with the Holy Spirit in five specific ways. And I'm going to give them to you quickly. The foundation of all of this infusion of the Holy Spirit are the three words I just gave you, faith, prayer, mind. As we step out in great faith, praying for God to do the miraculous, believing God for the miraculous and attempting miraculous things for God, as we engage in prevailing prayer, spending time recognizing God's presence and quiet reflection and meditation, asking God to form us into his image and likeness and aligning us with his will, and our minds are renewed, allowing truth to sink into us, rooting out lies, deception, destructive patterns, filling our minds with hope, love, light, wisdom. This is the perfect atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to infuse you and then us as a local church. 
Here are the five areas. I'm believing and praying for spirit-infused groups. Groups filled with people who love one another, care for one another, share with one another, challenge one another, serve one another, check on one another, carry one another, pray for one another. People who become as close, if not closer, than family. I'm praying and believing God for spirit-infused giving. I pray for hundreds of people who will pray about their giving and give as they are prompted by God's Spirit. Many given above and beyond merely 10%. People who look for needs within the church at large and within the individual lives of the members and do what they can to meet those needs. People who resource the vision. People who say, Pastor, dream, plan, go for it. Don't worry, we'll fund it. I'm praying for spirit-infused teaching to have scriptures come alive in your world, finding yourself within the stories, parables, miracles, to have a passion to learn and grow, to have a genuine desire to have your mind formed in the image and likeness of Jesus, to find yourself reading and meditating on the Bible in your private world, not just on Sundays, and praying and believing for spirit-infused worship, to create such an atmosphere of worship when we gather that people are lifted and inspired and challenged to pursue the things of God more than ever, to sing songs that reflect our corporate passion and desire for God, for one another and for the world, to proclaim truth and pain and celebration and loss through music and art and creativity for people to walk into our auditorium cold and indifferent, but because of what they experience here, walk out warm and engaged. And I'm believing and praying for spirit-infused outreach. To be so moved by God's spirit that we are known for our compassion throughout our community. To feed, to clothe, to give, to build, to love our neighbors, not only here, but around our world. Those are the five areas I'm praying that you and I in this church become so spirit-infused that we see it in our groups, we see it in our giving, we see it in our teaching, we see it in our worship, we see it in our outreach. Now let me ask you, what kind of church would this church be if this was the reality times 10? Do you know where it begins and how it happens? It begins with a spirit-infused you. Because you make up the church. You and you and you. Every person watching, when the Spirit of God infuses you and you get into groups, when the Spirit infuses you and you give, you teach, you lead worship, you become part of outreach. When you are infused with the Spirit, we are infused with the Spirit. Here's a prayer that I want to close us with, and I want this to become part of your prayer life. I want it to become something that you pray, maybe every day. You could write this down or... Uh, memorize it or whatever and just make it a part of your prayer for at least another week or so and just say, God, or maybe the rest of the series and just say, God, I want this to become part of who I am. Here's the prayer. God, fill me, empower me, enable me, infuse me with your spirit. I need both power and comfort to accomplish the mission in front of me. I believe healthy, growing local churches are the hope of the world. And I not only want to be part of one, I want to help build one. Can you imagine if a few hundred people at Forest Park prayed that prayer every single day and made it a part of their private time?
And God began to answer that prayer. Wow, what an incredible church and what kind of influence we could have across our community. Well, let me pray for you. Father, thank you that we have been inspired today and challenged to open our lives and our heart up to the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit. When you told your disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations, you told them, don't go until you receive the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit. For we would need his guidance, his wisdom, his strength, his abilities, his comfort to accomplish the task in front of us. God, may Forest Park become a spirit-infused church so that we can see the Holy Spirit's presence in an incredible way in all aspects of this church, especially in the areas of our groups and in our giving and in our teaching and in our worship and in our outreach. God, we want to see you infuse all of us with your Holy Spirit so we can accomplish the great mission you've put in front of us. We ask these things and we believe these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.